0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's talk about vaccines. Let's talk about what the vaccines really mean and what the mandatory vaccination is about to medical professionals, some of the best in this country. Dr. Jason Kendrachuk is an assistant professor and Canada Research Chair in the Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. He's very kind to give us his time quite regularly. Dr. Kendra thanks for coming back on the program. Thanks for having me on, Roy. What are your thoughts, first of all, about the uh, the issue of mandating vaccination?
1: Oh, I think, you know, it's, it's a loaded question, right? I, and listen, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of vaccination, obviously. And, and certainly looking at the position we're in with Delta, and with, with COVID-19 in general, we know that we are fighting a, a very difficult battle in regards to trying to get uh, you know, this, this transmission curtailed. And vaccination, unfortunately, is a massive part of that. So we, we need to be able to get as many people vaccinated as possible. Now, the other side of this is we also have to do this equitably. And we certainly have to do it in a, a space that is uh, certainly uh, both transparent, but also is open and understanding of, of the different people within our communities. So you know we're, we're, we're trying to do this expeditiously, but at the same time, we, we need to be wary of what some of those limitations are for, for vaccinations and where we need to be doing some some extra work.
0: You have no doubt whatsoever that the vaccination, the vaccines, are the way to go and the vaccines are effective. And we are, in fact, or the medical world, the research world, is establishing better vaccines all the time.
1: They they are and, and here's the position I, I look at, at with this Roy is the fact that and you know, we, we've got a, an issue with transmission we've got to get certainly transmission curtailed vaccines are a part of that we certainly know that they're not 100 percent protective from uh you know from or allowing somebody to be 100 percent protective from getting infected but they reduce the tra- the strain on our healthcare system and to me that is one of the most important factors through the entire pandemic is how well can we maintain healthcare. Uh, not only for COVID, but above and beyond COVID.
0: Do you get a little tired having to repeat that message? <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, it's it certainly, it's it's exasperating. But, uh, you know, at the same time, listen, I, I'm appreciative of the position I'm in. I, I certainly, I look at where I came from, and and I'm very humbled by, by what uh, I've been able to do in my career. But this is a part of, I think, our social contract as scientists is, We've got to be, you know, willing to provide this this type of communication and really repeating ourselves verbatim over and over uh, to to try and get these messages out.
0: Do you get frustrated with the fact that we have an uneven application when it comes to vaccine regulations or being vaccinated? Uh, Ontario lifting capacity limits yesterday on a series of venues like theaters, sports events, Uh, not restaurants. Different provinces taking different approaches, which is which is confusing and irritating to people who are just trying to get through this thing. Well, it is, right? And I think, you know, a lot of people are looking to,
1: to see, okay, well, nationally, what is the plan? And I think that's the difficulty is, you know, we, we have certainly recommendations, but we don't seemingly have that oversight where, you know, this is the, the, basically the federal, you know, kind of, uh, you know, space, and then this is what regionally we, we may be adjusting based on, on situations. So it is confusing, certainly having lived between two provinces over the last, you know, 18 months. Um, it's very difficult to try and figure out what is the, you know, the, the position between, between two you know, side-by-side provinces.
0: Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a specialist in uh, viral pathogenesis and uh, Canada Research Chair in molecular pathogenesis of emerging and re-emerging viruses. I didn't think I would get through that. Uh, <laughs> where does COVID, I'm not trying to make fun of this, but uh, where, where does COVID and its variants fit into the emerging and re-emerging of viruses spectrum? Yeah, it's a great question, right? This is this is the
1: one I think we've we've certainly been fearful of um, in the space. that this was a virus that that emerged very quickly. We have we already had an idea that coronaviruses were a concern for us, um, so that shouldn't have been a surprise. But I think what was a surprise was the it was a community transmission. We hadn't seen this with either SARS or MERS beforehand. So where this fits in is. This is the thing that we've been talking about for years and and really decades of saying we need to be better prepared because when these things hit, they hit hard and they will certainly hit unevenly across different regions of the world, in particular those that are most vulnerable. So this this plays perfectly, I think, within the suit of of skills that that we've been trained for. Um, But, you know, at the same time, I think we're also frustrated by making the same mistakes that we've made, you know, through previous pandemics and epidemics.
0: And other viral threats are a constant... Presence, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, this weekend again, we, we
1: had another Ebola case that's shown up in in the DRC, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, and in, in Bidai. Um They're they're always around us, and I think that's the message that I, I keep trying to get out to people: is listen, we we are not winning this war. I think we can try and, and come to a stalemate, um, but when you look at the threat of infectious diseases, and especially those that we don't know about yet, listen, this is this is why you know people like me are, are staying up late at night worrying about these things because. They have a tendency to emerge at, at the worst times.
0: And how are they discovered? Is it always uh, through a series uh, or, or a series of infections? No, not
1: necessarily, right? I, listen, we, the thing that we've done really well, I think over the last decade or so, has actually been doing active surveillance. So actually having people going out in the field, uh, you know, sampling wildlife, certainly specifically sampling bats. We've got some collaborations in Gabon that, that are doing this, uh, and certainly with other animal species. So it's active. The problem is, We're still, I think, at an infancy in being able to identify a virus that's circulating in nature and saying, okay, this has all of the prerequisites that will make it a pandemic virus or, or even an epidemic virus. So that's where we're lagging a bit, but we're certainly picking up. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of uh, increased um, increased funding and a lot of increased sustainability in this uh, in this space in, in the next
0: few years. Dr. Kentridge, how do we explain, if it's, I don't know if it can be explained, but last year there was almost no seasonal flu. How does that happen? Well, I think it's... Combination of things,
1: right? So, so the biggest thing is really when we look back at the non-pharmaceutical interventions we took. So, you know, accepting that we were all, you know, know, appreciating the fact that distancing was important, hand washing was important, um, certainly masking was important. But we also were very conscious of if we were symptomatic, we were staying home. We also saw increased, uh, you know, adoption of of vaccine, of influenza vaccination. That really goes to show us then. You know, that if we want to try and control infection, we we actually can. And influenza is a a perfect one. It kills 500,000 people a year across the globe. We we can control these things um, through our our basic tendencies and behaviors. But we have to put in the effort to do that.
0: Is it true that uh, the vast majority of new admissions to ICUs in this country are unvaccinated people?
1: Yeah, the, the unfortunate reality, we're, we're seeing it from from province to province. And certainly, uh, you know, even when we look back at the U.S., uh, when they had their first incursion of Delta, uh, you know, the last few months, it, it, it was predominantly, and I shouldn't even say predominantly, it was significantly overrepresented by people that were unvaccinated. And that's the unfortunate side of this right now, is we have something that will keep people out in, in unbelievable numbers if we can get widespread adoption of it. <laughs>
0: So the final question for you, and uh, this has been asked, I'm sure, of you many times. We're all trying to get on top of this. What's the efficacy of the first set of vaccinations we've received for COVID-19? Is it it a six-month period? Are we going to require, uh, by and large, all of us who've been vaccinated, are we going to require a booster by the end of the year and maybe another booster in 2022?
1: Yeah, so listen. I think we're all well on our way to to likely needing a booster. But Jeff Kwong, Dr. Jeff Kwong from the University of Toronto, presented some amazing data from Ontario this week, looking at at this exact question. And one of the things that he was able to parse out was, listen, when you look at the certainly the delayed intervals that we have between first and second doses in Canada, we're actually seeing um, you know really high efficacy against uh, symptomatic infection and certainly hospitalization. Uh, out to, you know, around eight months now. But we have to appreciate those earliest people that got vaccinated, those were people that were in high-risk groups and were healthcare workers and did not get that extended interval. So I think that's why you're seeing the third doses being recommended for those. More broadly, I think we're still trying to figure out what the data is going to say beyond beyond eight months. And, and that, unfortunately, we're going to have to get in real time.
0: If you want to hear more...